Welcome to the KayaCast, the podcast for cannabis businesses looking to launch, grow, and scale their operations. Each week, we bring you interviews with industry experts and successful retailers, plus practical tips and strategies to help you succeed in the fast-growing cannabis industry. Hey everyone, in this episode, we're joined by Sean from Palomino Consulting. Sean provides fractional CFO services to the industry, helping entrepreneurs make informed decisions based on financial data when growing and scaling their business. Sean provides advice to business owners looking to expand to another location, as well as true EDE, budgeting, and a lot of different areas in the dispensary environment. I hope you guys enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sean. Absolutely. Good to see you as always. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about starting a dispensary. What should an operator think about when creating their budget? I think the most important thing for operators to understand is one, the effect of 280 to some level on the business. Two, do, you know, 12 months to 24 months pro forma, uh, figure out your location, figure out what your lease is, and really understand how much it's going to cost to operate on a monthly basis. So when you're, when they're building out their 24 month pro forma, what are the things that they should consider when building that out? Um, so rent is going to be the one of the larger ones, right? Rent, employee leasing, or, or employee leasing, or staffing costs, right? Depending on whether you pay someone to do that or you take it in house. Advertising will be a huge component, especially as it relates to 280E. Repairs and maintenance, some of are smaller categories. But really, the key components here are going to be labor, gross margin, right? And uh, what that labor looks like as a percentage of revenue that you generate. So the way that we kind of like to function in the operations that we're a part of uh, is we would ideally in Nevada it's like to be sub 11. So if you make a million dollars, right, in a month, uh, your employee cost should be 110000 or less, right? So being able to look at that on a performa, uh, if you look at it as a percentage, it's very easy to control when you can add staff in, when you need to pull it back. Uh, whether you're overstaffed or understaffed, if you set kind of a a baseline level. So that eleven percent is that 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 includes total labor, everything. Wow. Yeah. So eleven to twelve percent. Um, that doesn't include security, right? And depending on what your management situation is with PMs, right? Uh, you should be able to do that. You should be able to be sub twelve percent, eleven percent. You could be as high as seventeen, right? Just depends on what the structure. But assuming that uh, assuming that none of the owners are working in the business, right, twelve percent to lower lower is good. And then if no owners are working in the business, uh, they'll probably want to front load their salaries a little bit, uh, which is depending on how the sales are doing, right? You can do that, but they'll they'll be built into that as a portion. So I don't include owner salaries in the in the math that's associated. Yeah. So owner salaries, if you want to pay yourself that, estimate it out separately, pick, pick a fixed amount. Don't build that into your overall labor number. Even if the owner is operating in the business? Yes. You keep it as a separate piece. Oh, you, want, you want your variable staff. That's the line you want to track. Right? Because your owner salary, you can just change it arbitrarily, right? As no, you don't need to monitor its health, more or less. So 11% includes all labor, variable staff, and also your management. Yep. It does not include owner salaries. If you were running a dispensary, what should be the total with owner salary that is acceptable? Um, well, if the owner salary is, you know, if it's one single owner, right? I mean, they can do whatever he wants, as long as it doesn't reach the business, right? If you're operating the business for the entirely your benefit, 
right? I mean, your owner's salary can be whatever you want it to be at the end of the year. Uh, but while it's operating, right, it, you have to set baselines. So I would say, you know, lower owner salary, enough to survive. Most of the time, owners that are in that area of the business are very aggressively involved in purchasing, more involved in the operations, right? They're, they're there all the time. They're really more like the GM until they, you know, replace someone as that role. And for that role, right, 100 listener. But if you're just big of a salary for dealing with the operate, general operational stuff and, you know, kind of oversight, uh, maybe a little less, but you want you want the money that's coming into the company to be allocated so you can take risk. Your ability to risk your cash and get labor in the door and hold them there, it is important. So, so having money in as a in your war chat affords you the ability to make loans in the future because a lot of other people don't. People run pretty lean, so the more cash you stack, right, the more opportunity you can, you can kind of grab. Uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to take employees for people some degree, right? You'll be able to stack talent. You'll be able to get better inventory pricing um, because you'll have cash, and everyone else will have to pay on terms. You might not have to. Right? You mentioned uh, gross profit. What is gross profit? Gross profit is just income less cost of goods sold. So that's the cost of the inventory you're selling. So what should be the ideal gross profit? So ideal gross profit in most retails is fifty percent. Uh, it seems like that's Keystone margin, is what they call that. So it's just two times the, two double the purchase price that you paid. So you buy something for twenty five, sell fifty. That's Keystone margin. Talking about product, we're not talking about capital allocation, lease allocation. Just product, just product. So what you're buying, what you're buying products for, you should always be trying to double or better. What are the other KPIs that somebody should really hone in on when creating their financial budget? Um, I think if you build the model around transactions, right, and some kind of average ticket estimate, right, those are kind of two biggest KPIs in a model where you can actually track their performance against what you're doing in real time. Sales are kind of a variable number, right? But if you know if you know that your market's average ticket is sixty five dollars, right, you can figure out how many customers you need to fill to meet what you. I think that from KPI, it's transaction per day, transactions per week, right? Average ticket over time. Ultimately, kind of a prediction on average ticket in the next two years, depending on what wholesale looks like. Is there a, a benchmark that somebody should have for operating income, income before taxes? Uh, ideally, 25%. Um, you could be as low as, but anything below 15, you probably basically break even after tax. Oh, got it. And then at your after pack benchmark, what would that be? It's, it's basically, if you're, if you're profitable, you basically take 10% off the, what you made. Call it a 10% of your net rate. If you made 250, right, call your take 150. What are some pitfalls that operators should know when building a budget in relation to cash outlay? So you're, you're building up this budget. What are the common mistakes that operators miss at the end of the year that causes them to, oh my God, I owe $100,000 in this that I didn't really foresee? Uh, the 280 stuff is the biggest the biggest pillar. It's not something that's exactly explicitly stated on performance uh, for the most part. Understanding that that is a cost you will see eventually and not counting money that you don't have from a tax perspective is very important. I think 
looking at labor as a percentage of revenue as a mark is really important. I think when you're setting those percentages and you monitor them every month, you can get into a good rhythm of knowing when you're about to have some risk happen or when you're about to have an event happen, right? The issue is if you don't have a performa to compare your actuals to, right? And you don't monitor every month and close financials, you don't know what you're doing. Most, a lot of people will start a store. They won't do, they'll do some general right and then they'll kind of step away right they won't close the books for three months and then they'll scramble to close them but your ability to close your books and track is the only thing that tells you how well you're doing so it's not just the budget right like the, you can set the budget the budget will change over time uh it's you have to track it if you don't if you don't have finance month over month and you can't prove on paper that you're doing and you don't see it on a financial statement, that's a bad sign. So the first couple months is like to see where you kind of track in line with what you assume, right? And then after that, uh, you kind of alter the historical months and then change the growth rates to be more reasonable. And then from there, once you kind of see where you're growing and how you're trending, you make operational decisions that either will make it go up or down. Operationally, I'm looking to expand. How do I know I'm ready? You know you're ready to expand if you have enough money to expand without asking anyone else. <laughs> uh, the other way is, is that if you're really skilled operators, right? People that have a history of expanding completely more rapidly, right? Um, this is going to be like high level, high level operators. They are going to notice in the data that their, their demand exceeds their supply, right? And it's not a blip. So for instance, in 2020, when COVID happened, Right? Everyone got a bunch of free money from the government. And so all of a sudden, everyone here started buying weed. Mm -hmm. So every cultivator expanded. And now there's not enough money to meet that. It was a fake demand. Yeah. So being able to understand when your demand is exceeding the supply mm -hmm. and how to how to expand on that, right? You can also kind of do it piecemeal. But being able to analyze those opportunities and understand when you're about to take a real risk that actually you understand yeah. and you can make a five-year plan on, right? Then you could consider that but how does the retailer know that that their demand is beyond their ability to supply they'll feel they'll feel strain on the operation right they'll either they won't be able to buy a product or they're capping out on the amount of people they can see a day so for most stores it's a square footage problem right uh so your store may only be able to take you know 800 people a day right um especially during peak times it's all going to be clocked in at like really specific hours so if you start hitting a point where you literally can't fit people in the building anymore, you're going to know, or you're coming close, you'll notice your staff will get very, very irritated and stressed. You'll feel it. Um, and people, customers will let you know. <laughs> the mo most importantly, the customers will always let you know. Are there any KPIs that an owner should look at before they expand? Is, are there certain areas of the business where, you know, okay, I'm ready now. I have certain things in place. And I'm concrete. If your average ticket is capping, or not your average ticket, if your transactions are capping, I mean, that's the most important KPI, right? If you can't break a number and customers are complaining and you're see, seeing a lot of complaints about it and your staff is kind of like, oh, it's always slammed, but for some reason this number doesn't move, uh, it's probably a good indication that you're ready to expand. If you're netting a good amount of money every month in profit, uh, that's obviously a good indicator as well. I mean, if you're, if you're netting 20, 22%, uh, 
and you have a cash surplus, then you're you're probably in a position to start making some decisions. So that's a, that's a really good point. You talked about top end, and then you talked about bottom end, and the bottom end really speaks on how efficient you are at deploying capital. Yeah. Also, transactions by channel, right? Like, what's the demand of each channel inside the store? So, whether that's transactions by e-commerce, transactions by in-store purchases, the pickup curbside. Uh, if you have a drive-through, right, things like that. Tracking those independent areas and how they grow are very important because they can identify where, if it's segments like that, you can figure out whether you need to expand become more if you need to expand store. Right? There's different, there's different ways to expand sales outside of just blowing up the footprint. Right, fitting more people in the store is one channel, but if the e-com's not fully tapped, right, try pushing more people to e-com, try and max everything. Right, try and get every KPI to its complete highest point. And then look for a side thing. And once you've granted an operation, you can see it scaling very quickly. There is opportunity cost associated with not acting at an appropriate amount of time to scale. But there is also severe financial consequences if you scale at the wrong time or if you attempt to scale. I always think about there are problems that you're trying to solve as a business owner. And if you haven't solved these problems yet, you can magnify that problem by adding another location. Yes. How do you identify if you've solved all the problems you need to solve before you take on another $2 million venture? Some, some problems aren't apparent until you, yeah, until you, until uh, you scale, Yeah. right? Um, definitely managing two locations before you can appropriately profitably manage one. Uh, it's probably not a good idea. Um, ultimately, if the business doesn't make money, which is the key, right? Like you shouldn't be expanding. So if you figure out how to make one store profitable, once you figure out the the market equation for that, you can duplicate and you can replicate it. So we 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 spoke a lot about what you should have in place, APIs, etc. Who should you have in place before you expand? Definitely controller, uh, accounting provider, GM. Uh, inventory manager and leads. Um, and if you're talking about going into an expansion, right? I mean, you're going to have a lot of time to invest. There's going to be a lot of time to build out that store. You're going to be in a hole for a 12 month period, right? Trying to get the thing online permitted correctly. You have a, you have a year from the time you start the project to the time you actually have to staff it, right? Sending, having the staff be aware that they're about to potentially be merged over into two locations. Understanding that doing an evaluation of the SOPs in that individual store to make sure they actually cross over to the other store based on square footage, right? Based on different things. There are maybe some procedures that don't function, right? When you move locations. Uh, they may be in different jurisdictions and they have different tax laws, right? Uh, making sure that everyone has a very good understanding from a revenue perspective what that means. Jurisdictions are different. Also, be prepared for what happens if that entity does not do what you projected to do. Can you sustain? Can you survive or do you have to liquidate? So how much, what should your war chest look like? I'm of the opinion that you should keep as much money in the company as possible and distribute what you don't need to, to risk, right? So if you're just buying products from the market, right, and you're on terms with everyone, you probably have a pretty easy time managing your cash flow. You'll be able to see excess load 
you don't really need to take a lot of massive risk on products, COD risk, right? Employee risk. I do think that probably having about 50% more than what you think you need on hand at all times is good, right? A lot of people make quarterly tax distributions, right? Once a business is sustainable enough, you can do that. Uh, but in an expanding business, if you do that, you'll need to have your ability to employ. So it's more important for you to hire the staff than it is for someone to get a quarterly tax distribution at that given time. Uh, once an operation becomes very stable at a certain run rate, and it doesn't really move around a lot, uh, numbers hold pretty consistently. So how long should you be making a consistent amount of money before you determine that this, we are stable, we've reached stability? You can reach stability for about six months, three, six months, and you'll be, you'll, if you start to see that trend hold and you have the same group of customers coming through, you'll know, you'll know you're good. Uh, at least good enough to say that this is the baseline, right? But understanding whether your strategy is defensible or not is a separate question. You may be stable for six months, but being aware of what's around you, and if new things pop up around you, being able to deal with them and you know ultimately kind of fight them right and win it's only as good as your strategic strategic position cannabis is a very very aggressive people are very competitive the licenses and a lot of markets tend to be fairly limited there's an opportunity to make a lot of money and for a lot of operators this is a zero-sum game right so that you made a really good point and it's not only how stable you are over six months is how stable you'll be in five years. What does that look like? So if you were to assess the risk in the market, what would be the few things that operators should really pay attention to? So price per pound, population, whether your uh, jurisdiction intends on releasing your licenses into the market, that's probably the biggest one. Uh, if they start to randomly issue licenses, right? Oh, that could get a little crazy, especially if they're allowed to come, depending on what the regs are, right? They may not be allowed to come too close to you. Just knowing when things like that are going to happen, right? Uh, developing really good supply chain relationships, right? Pay your bills, talk to people, mm. understand how to leverage the supply chain to your advantage. Uh, there's a lot of different operators, a lot of different licenses on the wholesale side. It's the hardest part of the business, even more difficult than retail or risk involved. They're good people. Finding ways to create competitive advantage with suppliers in a creative way is long-term. So I want to go back to our our conversation while standing. Running two stores, what is the biggest difference between running two stores versus one? Well, double the amount of staff yeah. is the first, probably. Anything you're experiencing that might be minor on the staffing side will mm -hmm. become much more explosive, right? Uh, delineation of communication for consistency is very difficult. If you have one manager that was overseeing the first store, uh, creating consistency across two stores just doubled that person's workload. Yeah. To some degree. Also, creating transferring culture, right? Sometimes it's more difficult. It's also very easy to get lost in the fact that there are two stores and you're overworked. Mm to see how bad potentially the second store could be as a risk. If you don't make above a certain amount of money, the other operation will have to float that operation in depth. So understanding that if you were making a quarter million dollars last month, but now you expanded into two stores and you're not hitting your mark, 
you now have no problem. Well, it shows up in two different places, right? So if you were taking distribution, you were getting comfortable, that's got to stop until both of them do well. You're creating, there's more safety when you're doing it that way, right? When one is doing really well and you can kind of offset the losses until you're, until you're cash flow positive. But it's definitely, you're in a period where everything goes to zero, basically. At least all of the profit you were experiencing, all your investors' profit for the most part, right? You have people who financed you in, they want returns, right? You have to ultimately explain to them why that's a good idea. You mentioned something that not a lot of people really think about. It's ultimately, when you run two locations, if they're, if they're far apart, you're kind of running two separate businesses. And how do you ensure that the culture that you set in your first location is consistent? So there's an operator that's good for just one store, right? There's, there's someone who deal with the day-to-day -day operations, make it work. And then when they get moved to a two-store situation, they panic and freeze mm. and they can't make it work. They don't understand why what works one place doesn't work another. They don't adapt to the change, right? They want the, the other store to fit their requirements where it just might be different, it's like, right? And then you've got a, a tier of operator above that operator. Right. When you start to get, when you're talking about like organizational structure, right? This is the person that's above a GM who's maybe closer to like a COO type level. Yeah. Like a right? director of operations. Director of ops, right? Like somewhere, you're, you're much higher at the org chart. That role is specific to being able to scale multiple locations, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people can do one. The ability to do five at the same time and then not have them all break, very different. Right. Hmm. A different set of skills required. So you have a GM managing store. Perfect. Opening up another store. He or she may now have to manage two stores. And you may have to assess, is this, is this the right person to do this role? And the risk that I always see operators make is promoting somebody before they're ready. Yes. And it's really hard to de-promote them. Yep. That's when churn happens. Oh yeah. It's a, that's a common one. I've seen it. I've seen, it. I've seen it a few uh, I've been involved in, 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 in some in some situations where I've been across the table. So this is the difference between owners have to understand where their skills are and where they are not. Right? Not all owners are operators. If you're not an operator, understand that you're not. And understand you need to hire. You can, you can accidentally succeed with one store. It's possible. Once you go to two... The likelihood of that second one panning the exact way the first one did is almost zero. If you open that second store and it doesn't perform the way that you thought it would, and you're using all of your same SOPs, you need to find an opportunity. That means your thesis is flawed, right? There's something you don't understand. And when there's something like that that, you don't, that they don't understand, some owners will double down on their employee that doesn't have the correct information to actually make those decisions. That's very dangerous, especially if you're limited capital, right? Um, some people's solution to that is just to raise more money, <laughs> uh, which is uh, another solution, but not great. Knowing when to ask for help and knowing when you're out of your element, like, is important. There, there are a lot of tax-related questions. Even I, I, like, I call people all the time. Like, if you've got more of a background in it than me, I want to know. Like, and if you can't pass the one-store mark. 
and you're having a hard time scaling operations and your time's drawn and you don't know how to scale those SOPs across, you need to find someone who really understands it, someone who comes from a manufacturing background or another retail background, right? Uh, someone who's a high up, high level person, not like a, this isn't a person you're going to pay 80 grand a year. It's a person you're going to pay hundreds of thousands. That's their skill set. That's what their skill set's value is, right? Because they can go into any company and they can scale out five stores. They can make you a million dollars. That's their value. A lot of operators have an, a lot of owners have an unwillingness to expend that money uh, because they think that that person as adding more value to the business than they are. In actuality, that's true. That's why you're paying them that money. They are adding more value to the business at that point. What else should we cover, Sean, that you think people should think about? Cannabis is a business, right? It's just now starting to develop to some level integrated systems, right? So far, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the products that entered the market from a technology perspective, from really almost everything, machinery, right? They were all independent systems that were reskinned from another system. I think now we're starting to see the evolution what it could look like, right? When systems talk to each other in kind of a, a true, more traditional way, I think that we are approaching a point where there is going to be an, order, an opportunity to automate a lot of things and gain a severe, not severe, gain, gain an extreme competitive advantage. Understanding that technology is literally your best friend. It is the only thing that will truly separate you from other stores, right? There's solutions promotionally on calendars, right? And then there's solutions that are technology-driven that you can scale across wherever you want, right? So what are some tech stacks that retailers should really, really hone in on when they're looking to scale? So for all of our stores that we operate here, uh, we're Dutchie, uh, here for e-commerce, and then my software for accounting integration. So what, what, what is your software? So my software is called Racetrack. Uh, and it's a combination of a couple different pieces, but uh, it's a Dutchie and QuickBooks integration flow information through. And then we also connect different things to it over time. So uh, cash recyclers, uh, any kind of machinery that has an API call. So there are ways to create a fish that if you talk with your technology providers, you may find ways to make more money more aggressively or win more if than if you're just trying to brute force people out. So what? Some of these efficiencies, what does that allow a retailer to do? Spend more time on making money, right? Like all of the all of the tasks that are created through systems not being touching or touching each other are all manual tasks, right? The more time you spend doing manual tasks, the more money you spend on manual tasks, the less you know the business. Uh, instead of spending five thousand dollars a month on a marketing person who deeply understands cannabis and fix things and can help you grow, you're spending $5,000 a month on someone putting data into a system. Every dollar you save somewhere else becomes a dollar you can utilize elsewhere or so, or take for yourself. Um, and you know what, what we also find is there's a lot of operators that they spend their money in manually transferring data, but there's not a lot of time spent in analyzing what the data means to make yes. the actual decision. How can our how can our listeners find you? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can reach out to me there. Sean Kennedy. Uh, I run a company called Palomino Consulting. P A L O M I N O and Consulting, obviously. My email is Sean S E A N at Palomino Consulting. LinkedIn or email me, and I'll respond. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I've learned a lot. Always a good time. Always good to see you. Thanks for listening to the KayaCast podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and your favorite podcast app or visit our website to learn more about our guests and to access the full archive of episodes from the show. Join us next time as we continue to explore the world of cannabis and help you grow, launch, and scale your business.